0: A reading from Matthew. But to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is the good news. Please be seated. St. Paul, using, I'll admit, kind of convoluted language here, I don't do the things I want to do, and I do the things I don't want to do, and all of that, But he's expressing something that I think is fairly common that all of us have experienced. Sometimes we want to do something good. Sometimes we have the best of plans. And yet, for all of our good intentions, it just doesn't seem to work out. Have you ever had that happen? A couple of years ago, um, I was on a trip with my kids. We were going up to Omaha. They have a big zoo. It's really cool if you've never, never been there. Lots of different things to see. And we were excited to, to take my kids to, to go and see it. Um, but of course, you know, best laid plans and all of that. As soon as we got there, um, you know, the clouds opened and it just poured rain. And we looked at our weather app, and it just showed storm clouds literally the entire day. Like, it was just going to be raining the whole time, so we're like, well, let's maybe have a change of plans. We saw that there was a children's museum in town, so we're like, we just need to get our kids, we need to get them some energy in a place where we won't get drenched. Let's go try that out. Well, we arrived at that um, kids' museum, and we learned we weren't the only ones with this idea, um, because sure enough, everyone else in town you know, was also looking for a place indoors where their kids can be kids and run around and scream and do all of that, and the parking lot and the side streets and everything around it was just jam-packed with all of the people trying to get into this place. You could kind of hear the reverberating screams for like a block away <laughs> um, of everyone that was going there. Well, I decided, you know, to be a good dad, to be a good husband, you know, to do, to do the noble thing. And so, you know, I drove up to the front entrance and I let my wife and my kids, you know, get out at the front door so they wouldn't get too wet. We weren't really prepared with umbrellas and all of that. So I let them off at the front and then I went and ventured off to go and find a parking space. Sure enough, you know, I ended up zigzagging and, you know, following people to their car and trying all of those tricks um, until eventually I was about three blocks away where I finally was able to park the car, you know, run as quick as I could, enter into this place just drenched from head, head to toe and finally, you know, start to enjoy the rest of the afternoon. So I walked into the museum, I went up um, to go and buy my ticket. My wife and kids were, I'm sure, at some other part, you know, climbing and doing what kids do. And I walked up and I said, you know, I'd like one one ticket to to, to come in. And the person working the desk, they looked at me and they just said, Sir, you have to have children to enter this building. (laughs) And I thought about it for a second and I was like, Does this look like the place I'd be going if I didn't have kids? (laughs) I can't imagine any adult's idea of fun is to just spend a day without their kids at the kids museum. (laughs) Watching everyone else's children be crazy. Um, I was like, no, I I promise you they're upstairs, you know, I'll go and meet them. I, I just need to buy a ticket here. They're like, well, I'm sorry, this is our policy. We can't let you in unless your wife and your kids are here to go in with you." I had tried to do the right thing, I had let them off, I let them start to play, and here I am looking like the creepy guy trying to sneak into the kids' museum <laughs> on this afternoon. So I had to step out of line, I had to text my wife, they had to come down and retrieve me. The kids were kind of laughing about how they had to go get dad. so that <laughs> so that he could get let into this museum this day. I kind of felt like I was in the penalty box, you know, over there waiting for them um, to come fetch me, to let me in. It was one of those best laid plans. Everything seemed to start to go wrong after that. I think we all have, maybe hopefully not that experience, (laughs) but we all have those moments where we try and do the right thing, where we try and, you know, help someone out, we try and go out of our way to make a difference, you know, we try and do something that's good, and yet it just doesn't seem to go as planned. And we start to ask, you know, I'm trying to do what's good here, I'm trying to do what's right, why doesn't it work out better? And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but sometimes it feels like the more good we try and do, like the harder it actually gets. And you're like, well, I, I could have just done something different. <laughs> you know, I could have not been helpful. And this would have just been easier for everyone. It's, it's just a moment that we kind of experience Sometimes. I think some of us, you know, maybe have heard of Christianity presented in this way. I know I have at times, and have imagined faith um, in this way that, you know, if we believe in Jesus, if we trust in Jesus, if we have enough faith, well, then everything else will seem to work out. There's passages we can read in the Gospel where Jesus says, if we have faith just the size of a mustard seed, we can move mountains. And we kind of infer from that, or we have this idea that, well, if I just have enough faith, if I just trust God, well, then everything else will work itself out from there. When something bad happens in our life, we just imagine, well, maybe God has a plan. You know, God's in charge, God's in control, and this is just a little hiccup that eventually we'll all laugh at and figure out what we were actually supposed to be doing. And from that, we get this idea that when bad things happen in our lives, when we struggle, when things don't go as planned, that somehow we are the problem. That maybe we weren't doing the right thing after all. That maybe our faith wasn't strong enough. That maybe we needed to trust Jesus more. That maybe we needed to do that thing better. That maybe there was a lesson here that we should learn so that we can do better The next time we imagine even in our faith sometimes especially in our faith that ultimately we're the ones responsible and if we do things the way that they're supposed to be done that everything else will just fall into place and yet we have these experiences where we try and do the right thing and nothing seems to go right and those two ideas, that if we have enough faith, it'll work out, and that we do the right thing, and it doesn't, it's hard to reconcile those two realities. My uh, job is, I'm the director of a nonprofit um, called LifeBridge, where we take folks that are in poverty or in different situations of need that are trying to transform their lives and make them better. And we have kind of a team of social workers that we can partner those people with for coaching, and we can do kind of we have some grants that we offer. So for instance, folks that don't have any savings, we work with them and they can take a class and work with a coach. And if they save $100 of their own money, they can get a $300 match so that they can have $400 in a savings account for a first time. We have other folks that are saving to buy a house where they can do more classes and coaching and save $2,000 for a $6,000 match. A lot of programs like that to work with people long term to actually try and get them to where they want to be. And in the process of working um, with these participants in our program, I get to see firsthand some of the struggles that they go through. These are people that are wanting their lives to be better, that are wanting things to change that are doing a lot of work in order to make that happen, and yet it doesn't seem to just be falling into place for them. There's something that's often referred to as kind of a benefits cliff um, that people can experience, where they'll start to work, maybe they'll get a better job, they'll get a higher paying job, they'll start to make more income, but they'll start to see some negative repercussions of that. That because they're making more income all of a sudden now they're no longer eligible for medicaid and have to pay for their own health insurance sometimes they're no longer eligible for snap our food stamp benefits and so now they have to buy all of their own food so they have these new expenses that they didn't have before some of the folks when they are no longer eligible for medicaid and that health insurance support they don't go and find health insurance on their own and then have something negative happen and all of a sudden have a whole new host of debt that they're dealing with. Sometimes people will be, you know, staying at home with their, with their kids and watching them and not have a job and not have an income, and so they want to go out and get a job to start working, but then they have to pay for a car, they have to pay for gas, they have to pay for the repairs for that car, they have to pay for someone to watch their kids and they see all of the income that they're making in their new job just going to all of these other places. There's so many experiences where people start to try and make their lives better, and yet for every step forward, it feels like they're also taking two steps backward. (laughs) that they're making more income, but now their increased expenses mean less are actually coming home. and for these folks that are working really hard that can be really disheartening, and for many that can make them want to give up and want to stop entirely. It's really opened my eyes to the fact that really transformation is not an easy thing, but instead it's something that comes with a lot of barriers, a lot of challenges, something that needs a lot of support in order for it to happen. Sometimes we can do all of the work, we can do all of the right things, and yet still not be where we want to be. And we see that in what I'm talking about in some of the most vulnerable among us, but the truth is all of us have been in that situation at one time or another, right? Sometimes we try and insulate ourselves, we try and pad our 401k accounts, and we try and trust that everything will be okay. But we've all had moments when the unexpected has happened, when we've been faced with a crisis that we don't know how to deal with, when we realize that the protective bubble that we've made for ourselves isn't quite as protective as we want it to be. We've all had those moments when despite all of our good intentions, it seems like it's not just working out. So what do we do then? All of those cliches about God has a plan, just trust, just have faith and it'll all be okay. I think there's a lot of people who are no longer in the church because they were brought in with that idea They faced a struggle, and then they found that those cliched phrases just didn't have all the answers that they wanted them to have. I speak of all of these situations because I think that's what Jesus is speaking about in this passage today. What Jesus is offering us here is not some just ideal promise of everything's going to be all right. But instead, we start seeing Jesus express some of these frustrations himself. He says, John the Baptist, this guy who lived in the wilderness and had nothing, who ate bugs, (laughs) you know, like lived as rough as you could possibly have it, he came along and talked about God, and you all said he was crazy. Then Jesus came along, he ate with people, he fed people, he drank with people, and you call him a glutton and a drunkard Jesus is talking about these situations he's talking about this generation really you can hear the frustration coming through his voice what do you want me to do Jesus is saying if I don't eat anything you ask what's wrong with me if I eat things you think I'm prideful and eating too much there's no way that I can win in this situation what do you want me to do You can hear in Jesus' voice this frustration that we've all voiced. We've tried it all, and none of it seems to work out. You just can't please everyone. You're always going to be criticized. Jesus is speaking to that experience. In Paul's letter to the Romans that we read today, this is one of the greatest saints of the church, a guy that was constantly in prison and yet wrote about how joyful it was. That's not what I would have been writing. Again, often when I read the Gospels, it's like, well, this is why these guys were in charge of this and not me. (laughs) Um, You know, Paul was writing, he's one of the greatest saints of the church, writing about how I just, I want to do good, but I can't do it. What's wrong with me? Paul seems to be asking. All these writers in the biblical text are giving voice to the struggle that we've all experienced. Why can't it just work out? What they're offering us is not these cliched phrases and promises, but instead a window into this real human experience of struggling to do good in the midst of so much challenge and in the midst of so much hardship. We see in Jesus and Paul here something that we all can find in common with them. So how do we respond? Or do we just throw up our hands and walk away? Jesus goes on to give praise to this, what he calls, wisdom that's been hidden from the wise this thing, this knowledge that's been hidden from the wisest and most intelligent amongst us, but has been revealed to just infants. The wisest don't get it, Jesus seems to say, but the infants, the children amongst us, know this very well. He talks about the power of trusting in someone else. He invites us to take upon my yoke, follow me, enter into this journey with Christ for it's easy and it's light, he seems to say. Now, I think what Jesus isn't doing here is yet another cliched phrase, yet another way of saying, well, just believe and it'll all be okay. But instead, he's inviting people into an experience of who Christ really is. Yes, we don't find christ on our own just trusting in some higher power that'll all be okay we find christ in the midst of community in the midst of a church in the midst of a place where we can build each other up we can meet each other's needs as they arise where we can support each other now support each other be christ to one another in our moments of need That's something that infants can do pretty well, right? When a child has a need, um, I don't know about your children, but mine are very good (laughs) at making everyone in the household aware that there is a need. (laughs) You know, sometimes they'll be sitting on the couch and the remote will be right next to them and they'll shout, I'll hear it upstairs, dad, dad, and I walk downstairs, hey bud, what do you need? I need the remote. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I'm like, you could just reach over and get it. You know, what, what, what's going on here? They're very good at being, us making others aware of the needs that they have. But Jesus seems to suggest there's something that we can learn from that. Because sometimes the hardest thing for all of us to do is not to give to someone else, but instead to ask someone else for help to recognize that we have needs, that we need help, that we need someone else to help us. The wisdom of the world, as Jesus talks about, is this idea of self-reliance, this idea that you should have it all figured out, that if there's a problem, you should be able to figure it out. You know, if you can't fix something, go on YouTube and learn how to fix it. Don't call anyone else in your need. You need to take care of it yourself. That's the wisdom of the world, but Jesus offers us something different. When we have a need, when we have something that we need to do, we can ask for help. We can lean into someone else. We can recognize that we don't have to have all the answers and that we can look to others for that support. I think this is the hope of the gospel, that when we struggle, when we have hardship, that it's not just about us having all the answers, but it's us looking around. Because if you look in this room, there's probably not a question or a problem we couldn't solve. But if you look to each of us individually, there's probably a lot of questions that we couldn't solve. Let's lean into Christ. And by doing that, lean into the body of Christ that is this community gathered together. We aren't meant to live by ourselves, but we're meant to live in community. This is the promise and the hope of the gospel. All of us have those moments when we've needed someone else. Let us lean into that this day and be hope for one another, amen.